Welcome. My name is Holden Stefan Roy. This is Bridge the Gap, the show where we talk to interesting people such as yourself, Mr. Mike Device. Um, basically, we go through the story of your life and we try to extract some knowledge nuggets from your existence in order to better our wisdom and understanding. And while you may be laughing like I'm being hyperbolic, this is pretty much how I start all my shows. <laughs> it just happened. I know. I watch. I watch the interview, man. And it's like, yep, Mike's like, I'm like ready for this. Um, but with that, we want to do this right, which means we got to do the opening question. But before we can do that, it doesn't make a lot of sense to the world. Unless we know where Mike Device starts his life. I was born at Jefferson Davis Hospital on the south side of Houston, Texas, on a dark and stormy Thursday. Was it actually a Thursday? Or did you just like it add that in? actually a Thursday. Fire. I was born on Thursday. Get it. So we starting off in Houston in a dark and stormy world. Um, basically, the first question is a bit of a story. Um, if you've watched, you know how it goes. We're still going to run it anyway. And it all starts off with my girlfriend, and she's washing the dishes. And you got to keep in mind, it's about a year ago. So she's washing the dishes about a year ago. And she's got her phone out, and she's playing uh, that Black Eyed Peas song. The, I got a feeling. Ooh. She's doing her thing. She's dancing. She's vibing. And I'm, like, staring at her. I look at her, and I go to myself, and I say, when the fuck did this song become chores music? Because, like, if you really, like, think about this track in particular, right? Yeah. This song is basically some shit that, run it back 10 years, this is highlight of the night shit. This is, like, motherfuckers be mad drunk in the club dancing, but also at the schools, but also everywhere. It's, like, this song's a smash. Like, it's a party song. 10 years goes by. The song don't really change at all because songs don't really change a lot. But all of a sudden, we change so very much that like this song has now evolved its place in our cultural lexicon to be chores music or exercise music and all kinds of stuff like that. And I guess I thought that was wild, right? Because then you think about the little ones out there and how they be like, I hear your phone. I see you panicking. Like, gotta stop that. <laughs> I, I'm stopping it now. I hear you. I'm listening, though. Um, so you see all the little ones, and they be bumping their shit, and they have no idea that one day in the future, they're going to be sitting there washing their fucking dishes to pop smoke and shit, and they don't know that when I found out about pop smoke, I started washing my dishes to pop smoke and shit, because that's just kind of what happens when we find out about the little ones hot stuff. We just kind of make it our chores music, because that's just what it is for them in the future. But that got me thinking about how, like, all this stuff is like journeys and how we all kind of go on our destinations over time and everything evolves. And how when it comes to music, most people don't really start it at a good place. They kind of pick this adolescent identity driven, like I became a man moments in their life. Like I started listening to hip hop when I was 12 and I found Run Deem or I started writing raps at this age. And it's like, all that's cool. But like. I promise when you popped out in the hospital and whatnot, there's probably some song playing on the radio that was absorbing up into you. And the way music works, there's a whole lot of it that you listen to at the super young parts of your life. Long before it really becomes like something you have a choice in, usually. Some people are like, fuck that, at two years old, I'm a DJ. I'm like, relax yourself. But like for most of us, it's like, you know, it's just stuff around us. Like I can remember being like five years old up in Montreal. 
in the apartment. My dad's got all them gray boxes set up, the fucking amp, the preamp, the fucking radio, the tape deck, the this one, and everything set up with the wires, record whatever, play whatever through the speakers and whatnot, Led Zeppelin kind of stuff straight in the day. At nighttime, it's that MC Mario Club mix straight from the clubs in Montreal and whatever else was bopping at the time. What up, CB Mac? I see you. Um, and uh, basically, yeah, my mom, she was more soft rock and fucking musicals and all of that other kind of shit over there, love songs and stuff. Yeah. So I was surrounded by all of that, depending on who was in charge of the radio at what moment. And all of that basically impacted and influenced me and created a whole musical soundscape of my existence before I have any real control over what I listen to, but all of that impacts me to this very day. I especially do like the sappy shit these days more than I maybe should. But on that note, Mr. Mike Device, can you take us back to the very beginnings of what you can remember and walk us through a little bit about what it sounded like to be you? Because you clearly, from a music sense, do not fit into style. So I imagine there has to be some level of eclecticness in your Houston early days. So my my father was murdered whenever I was about two years old. And so my mom was left with me, my sister and my brother. And uh, really she didn't work, she didn't have no prospects. So she, you know, took us back. And, you know, you do what all poor people do. We gather into hoods, you know what I mean? Dirty ass trailer parks and fucked up places to be that are cheap. So we end up going to the fucking, you know, because my mom, you got to understand, my mom is, um, she's always been like, you are no better than anybody else. And there's no, there was never any kind of, uh, hey, we're different. I didn't realize how different I was until motherfuckers started pointing it out. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing here? You <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but like, I was a pretty uh, obnoxious kid, bro. I was pretty mean, you know what I mean, and and surly. I was a shitty kid. I could say that with authority now, looking back, you know. I don't remember too much. Um, do you remember? What probably on purpose. Do you remember what your mom used to listen to? Oh yeah, she trapped us into fucking uh, big ass LTD. We had a Ford LTD, fucking windows up. She's smoking cigarettes, bro, and, and jamming the oldies, man. I grew up going to some like Creedence Clearwater on some fucking uh, Ram Jam on some yeah, real this like. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and so it, it it's that with like, so what I developed early on was an appreciation of music. If I could hear it and understand it, and it would touch me, touch my soul in a way that would kind of, you know, shine that light on that feeling I didn't even know I had, you know, until that thought got provoked um, by a certain melody or a certain combination of uh, words. Um, that's why I think vocal power is like, it's it's the ultimate you write your entire ticket in life with the words you use and how you use them um my mom used to tell me boy you talk yourself in and out of more shit than motherfuckers could even speak on <laughs> i and so, so as i progress that you was bumping and if oh, yeah. we're gonna say this is the late 80s yeah 
because the Humpty yeah. Dance or or the eighties. That was early, yeah. This kind of cracking that nineties, that very like eighty nine, ninety one something. I don't know. I'm very bad with numbers and memory, so we're just all speculation at this point. Okay, so you grew <laughs> up in the eighties. That's that's a clear fact. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hiding that because if you're like ciphering when that tracks out at the end of the 80s, Mike's. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was like, I'm pre internet, man. I'm pre cell phone. I'm pre all of that shit. We used to dig holes for fucking fun, man. That's kind of what no I wanted man. to get to. What What is it like? Okay, because you got to keep in mind. Part of this for me is curiosity, right? I asked this shit because, like, I don't fucking know what a guy uh, 10-ish years older than me who grew up in fucking Houston back in those days did, let alone did for fun. So it's, like, well, actually kind of interesting to hear when people are like, yo, I fucking so I, I grew up in, like, I That's grew a up wild thought to me because, like, I grew up in well, the yeah. 90s, right? So it's a bit later in a completely different place. I grew up in shitty trailer parks, bro. Like being poor as fuck, not having nothing. And when you're poor as fuck and you don't have nothing, you're kind of commiserating with everybody else who ain't got shit. And so you're just inventing ways to get in fucking trouble. That is exactly what poor people do. (laughs) I I mean, that's, you know what I mean? So whenever we were younger, right, the five, six-year-old, we're digging ditches, we're playing football down in the empty lots, we're doing wild shit. But about that time, man, you know, I kind of started getting introduced to, you know, just looking at shit going down around me. That's about when the crack epidemic really, you know, really kicked off, bro. And motherfuckers were going left. Shit was getting ugly out there, you know? And as I grew up, I just kind of always hung around older dudes. Cause you know, I you know, who wants to be a little kid? Nobody wants to be a little kid. We rush to become adults and then we get here and go, fuck man, I should have slowed down and just enjoyed not having any fucking responsibility for a long ass time. But Y'all gotta keep in mind he has six kids. And <clears throat> <laughs> he says that he means that. <laughs> Hey, look, this is, wow, I do, I do, look, you never, his daughter fucking raps now, it's wild, well, I mean, I have four out of my six daughters rap, four out of six, oh yeah, it'll get on your head in a second, they, they're more like, look, my girls are so rough, bro, I would be scared to see my son, I wanted a son for a long time until my girl started getting a little older and I was like, dang, you guys are tough. (laughs) And they're, they're pretty, uh, you know, I, I, they don't even know how good they got it. This way they think they got it shitty. And I'm like, you know, and, and I realized that loop with parenting, right? Your mom and dad was like, you don't know we had to walk to school in 10 miles in the snow and nobody was giving a fuck about us when we were kids. You're lucky you can eat. No, but it's like wild to say that, but yeah, I get it. Like you look at, like let's be real. Like even the smartphones are pretty much everywhere at this point for kids. Right. So it's like, yo, I remember when like you was like two Nintendos back versus like being like where you needed to be. Look, my cousin, my cousin, they had money. They lived on the good side of Houston. You know what I mean? And we would always get their kind of hand-me-down shit. So I was rocking the Atari when the Nintendo was really going down. And I, you know, 
I never. I, I had I'm to go too, to my cousin's house to play the for shit. like Atari to be a viable thing. <laughs> <laughs> like to, to be hey, fair, wait. I did play one of the old fucking ones, the Omicron or one of these fucking box ones, because my boy what, had Sega one. Genesis. Nah, like one of them old, like because it was the Commodore, maybe. I think I played. Eighty-four. Yeah, I think I played one of them guys because my dude had it and he had this like ghetto ass fucking game where you were a fucking spaceship shit and you would roam around. But yeah, so space invaders. It wasn't that. It was more like a tank kind of simulator. Like you would picture like one of them tank simulators now. Yeah. So with like really shitty graphics. I played the games. I know. (laughs) So like I played that shit, um, and then otherwise. Yeah, my, my dad had the NES when I was born. So the NES was like, and then the SNES came like not long after. Cause, yo, my dad did not prioritize a lot, maybe in terms of life. But man, did he fucking manage to get these two consoles and then it slowed down. And it came to kind of like, we got it a couple years later and shit when it dropped in price and it wasn't that new price console shit. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. I think of all the fucking years worth of my life I've pissed away playing video games. Kind of surly about it. Cause, it, if I only applied myself, hmm. look at your imagination today, right? Because, yeah. like, I know one thing is video games is one of the mechanisms I use to keep my imagination alive, believe it or not. Okay. I don't play a lot of the Call of Duty shit, but it's hard to explore shelters in the Fallout Wasteland and see all the creative, weird shit they do with storytelling. And not come out of there with a couple of new ideas. Whereas, like, my dad used to make me play, like, RPGs where I had to read a lot and shit. So, like, I wasn't playing no fucking action games. I was playing the RPG stat games. Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Effectively, yeah. So, I mean. D&D. Playing Magic. Yo, I liked Magic a lot, yo. Magic is, like, I mean, it's whatever. But Magic the Gathering is a really good way to learn about statistical probability. Which turned out to be a fucking useful skill in life. <laughs> okay, okay. I like if I I agree with the engagement. It, you know, the thing that that I kind of look at now. I got an Xbox that I don't fuck with. You know what I mean? Like I'm on grown man time right now. And if stuff. I, yeah, but if I if I ever had a minute, but see, this is the thing, right? I'm finally in my life at a place where I want to apply myself to what I have a sincere passion for, which is this freestyle shit, right? But part of that is trying to translate that to making like actual music that people can enjoy. Like you're going through my page and I appreciate that, man. I enjoy that. I'm the biggest narcissist motherfucker out there, bro. I love to hear myself. You know what I mean? Like the, my mom used to tell you, love this ain't, ain't a fucking your rapper voice. that doesn't love that shit. I know CB Mac also be like, yeah, buddy, play my fucking music. <laughs> Hey, but you know, it, as I'm translating all of that to kind of where I'm at, because you know, it, this is the truth in life, man. Anybody to hear this shit, right? Um, like I wasn't prepared to have children. I never planned to have children, but I would never, uh, you know, abandon my children. Right. You know what I mean? Like not yeah. take care of them. Like growing up without a father, that's that's something that kind of stuck with me is that you know what i mean i don't know i didn't traditionally know what a father is and i probably still don't if my wife says i'm stunted in my uh emotional growth i can't get past a teenager she calls me a teenager still 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you still just, you're going to be this old rapper. It's sad. And I'm like, at the same time, it it's such a, just a part of me that it, you know, like I was rapping before social media and I didn't even jump on social media till a couple years back. Whenever I was like, you know, I was kind of done with all of the fucking bullshit I was entangled in and it's been done for a while and I'm just been being, you know, trying to be there for my family and provide. And at this point in time, I'm still rapping to myself in the car and nobody can enjoy it with me. I used to have the homies that we would run. I'm thick as thieves with motherfuckers. You just click up in little wolf packs and you run around, do what you do. And those are the people you're, I call them the validators, right? Those are your validators. Those are the people that make what you do. They know and you know, but nobody else knows. Who the fuck else can know? You know what I mean? If yes. you want to stay alive and free. <laughs> I mean, yes. I believe everyone can catch the subtext of what you were saying in those words. <clears throat> so it, it, I was coming up through those types of like wolf packs and you run through a few of them. You know what I mean? Like they're not just one. You just keep going. And then I find myself at the apex of life being okay, alone. We're going to we're going to go through your life with a little more detail. Maybe not all the details, oh. but yeah, it's tangential. <laughs> it flies around. That's what we do. But really. Let's run it back to you a white boy okay. in the hood and the Humpty dances around. Your mom likes a bunch of classic jams and you're like, I think I need to be a rapper so I don't get my ass kicked anymore. That's what I understood. That's as far as we got in your life story. As far that as is I'm a concerned. fucking fabulous summation of what I just said. People can't understand me, bro. I am. <laughs> You're not that hard to follow. We've listened. To, I mean, because here's the here's the trick to it. If anybody's ever talking to a guy like Mike or myself, let's be honest, um, you got to just understand that there's the relevant details and then the shit you're saying to figure out the relevant details. So you just drop the shit in the middle when you're composing like the relevant parts of your story, right? Everything else is nice, it's context, it's conversation, but really for your story, that's all that got said that it was like, you know, write those parts down. And that's it. Okay, well, 10 four. I tell you what, so we'll pick up at the Humpty Dance. That's so exactly in it. The, <laughs> in the trailer parks, right? Um there used to be like vans that would pull through and they would scoop up all the kids. Right. And they would take us good out. Vans, right. <laughs> hold, hold on. Let me explain. Right. This is, this is how, um, this is how I really kind of melded into this type of little wolf pack. Right. So imagine little, little vice 10 years old, getting scooped up in the random vans, right? And what they would do is they would go to the 99 cent store and grab a bunch of bullshit, right? And take us to the rich neighborhoods and they would tell all of the rich people, hey, we, we're poor, we wanna be kept off drugs. This is for the boys and girls program. They give you a little sheet of bullshit to tell them and you sell them the 99 cent shit for five bucks, right? It, and then and then you get a dollar of everything you sell and they get kicked back the other four which they pay one in pocket three ferrying a bunch of kids from the trailer parks out to the rich neighborhoods and in that process the, the radio was popping you know what i mean and i started doing like 
what really kind of sparked rap for me, like as thinking that I could be a rapper, right? You have to have that first thought is that I want to be a rapper or I can be a rapper, right? And it was me singing along with the Humpty Dance is your chance to the hop. Humpty Hop. Say, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you're used to. As soon as I realized I could say that shit, I said, I could say my own shit. And I started on a perpetuous journey to be the dopest white MC ever out of the hood. And yeah, I haven't gotten there. But (laughs) at the end of the day, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So I am all for setting goals, bro. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can, to this day, you're not dead. It's still attainable. Hey, look, this is the thing, right? I started digging into the Rick Rubin guy. You know Rick Rubin, right? Yes, sir. He, he said this he thing, a right? He's really, beard, too. Yeah, yeah. It really stuck with me what he said because he was kind of like, it, I, 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 <clears throat> I saw his life story, his origin story kind of come down, right? I'm like, man, I can relate. Right. But this dude happened to be in the middle of everything. And I'm like, fuck. Anyway, so he runs this retreat um, out in Cali right now. And, you know, basically artists go there to to get that Rick Rubin vibe to get that. He's a reductionist. Right. Mm -hmm. What you remove is what refines the end. What you're going to contribute to the society. You know what I mean? And so. Uh, at the end of the day, I saw a, a, a section of an interview he was doing, and he said, like, my greatest aspiration, right, the thing that he is aspiring to do is to to produce somebody without ever meeting them. You see what I'm saying? So it's the take the philosophy of Rick Rubin and apply that to your artistry without his involvement at all. And I kind of, um, I kind of absorbed that. And I, I say, you know so what? you say that in a sense, Rick Rubin shadow produced you. I'm saying that I would love to, for him to be like, yeah, vice, vice. I appreciate what you're doing. And I got my vibe on that. And I think it's contextual, like everything that you contribute to the vibe, because that's what everybody does. Now, some people get monetized for that and, and some people don't. And you have to be OK with not getting monetized for it in order to have a, a sincerely pure passion for the craft that you're endeavoring to perfect, because at the end of the day, I I do this, like I've wired my brain from a youngster that it is essentially, if you put it in in computer terms, I'm essentially all RAM, no hard drive, right? I have a massive amount of capacity to process information immediately. And and that I also attribute to my my ADD, you know, my hyperactivity, my attention deficit. And I find myself most comfortable with my life in my hands behind a wheel because I'm I'm able to really occupy the core function of me keeping me alive on the road and then that higher brain function operates clearly and that's why I really enjoy driving around doing what I do 
you know what I mean? The another tangential trail. Well, but, yeah. show is that's why like people like you are like much easier to talk to on this than say people who <clears throat> no offense if you're one of these folk but sometimes i'll do a 90 second fucking build up to a question i'll add like a story in or like like this a little thing i'll right. fucking like whatever whatever it'll land and man's will drop like an eight word answer and stop and i'm gonna be like fuck that was eight words i mean it was very concise but damn i don't know how to like now I have to talk again. So, and you can just go off like that. I mean, it's totally cool. And it gives little snippets to it. And anybody that knows you knows that this is what a mic device experience is. And if you're <laughs> a mic device, this is what a mic device experience is. Sign up for it, baby. Sign up I know for that it. Chris Chrome knows all about being on the phone with Mike Device watching this play out. He'll be like in the fucking hey, car doing Chris a Chrome job, was... fucking freestyling hey, on the Zoom. Look, 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 Chris, Chris Cone was on the phone with me, bro, and a dude pulled a pistol out on me when I walked up on his property. <laughs> he had the gun out on me, and, and uh, Crow was like, what? And I'm like, hey, bro, don't shoot me. I got to go around the back. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is. The mic device experience. I like that. But yeah, so basically, you're back in the Humpty days, and you learned how to rap. Or decided the spark well, I and the desire of your etherealness was invoked because you could rap the Humpty dance while going to do some really sketchy shit when people were acting in predatory ways, all things considered. <clears throat> all things considered. Bad. That's the PBS version. All right. So, but anyway, from that point in time, I you know, because I used to do anything to hustle, bro. I would, you know what I mean? I would do yard work, whatever, whatever the fuck, bro. I've always been about getting that bread. Um, but I've also hated money and the fact that it's such a necessity. And when nobody teaches you how to get it and you got to go and figure it out on your own through trial and fucking error and sit down in the process and all types of shit to try and get to a point where you got a grasp on how to live yeah, right. Even beyond that, the first exposure you have to money is go to the Dollarama. That's what we call our dollar store. Uh, and then go to the rich part of town and flip that shit on susceptible people, exploiting them via this thing about yourself that puts you at a deficiency. That's right. a wild start to fucking economics in your life. Shit, the use of the saw how I left Texas. I left Texas in 30 seconds, bro. I had to jam, right? Some shit went down. I had to go. And I, I was looking. And back in the day, bro, you had to look in the fucking newspaper and the classifieds to figure any shit, anything out, bro. You could always hustle in the classifieds. And I was always about that. So I'm in the classifieds, right? Hustle in the classifieds. Like, like you, you, would, you, you sell you sell shit in the class like so there's all kinds of little bullshit schemes like hey i i got this magic rock you buy this magic rock from me you send me 9.95 and i will i will cod this package to you with this magic rock that's going to change your life in the classifieds oh you want a life change you know what i mean under weird random shit that's just always a way that you could hustle um but th the thing is is i caught this ad it said sun fun and travel no experience necessary right oh boy and i and i call the ad and the and the ad is like the dude on the ad is like okay yeah you want to you want to interview come through 
And I'm like, okay. So he, he's like, come to the Holiday Inn. We're at the Holiday Inn. Come do the interview at the Holiday Inn. I'm like, okay, fuck. All right, Holiday Inn. So, and at that time, bro, I was, I was hustling. I was selling bags, right? And I had like a half a pound. I had two quarter pounds in my waistline whenever I went into the interview. You know what I mean? And I, I just, you know, I, that's I, like like sitcoms nowadays and shit. Like I think we no suits starts off like that. Like or one of these shows starts off where the man walks into the interview with a bag, <laughs> and then no, it's it like that's so. Wild. Look, I'm in the inter- <laughs> I'm in the interview with these fuckers, right? And they're like, we're from California. We sell magazines. We go door to door and blah 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 blah. And I've always been about that life, bro. So. I was like, fuck, sign me up. I'll sell whatever bullshit you want to sell. Let's do it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good. And they asked me, hey, do you smoke weed? And I was like, fuck, yeah, I smoke weed. I said, I got the best weed you can buy in this town with me right now. Walk. So I whipped it out, and I put the half pound on the table. And these motherfuckers looked at me like I was a joke. They were like, ha, ha, ha. That's not weed. And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean that's not weed? You don't see the red hair in there? That shit is fire. And what I used to get was the brick. You know, the straight up Mexican brick, bro. You'd have no, to I fucking get... the straight up Mexican brick because I was in, you... in Quebec, bro. Oh, wait. We have okay, good so... fucking plants and we had weed that up until legalization, no. our weed competed with Cali in Vancouver. So not, nah, no, down south, bro. And to this day, it's mostly trash ass weed. Have you ever heard of stress? No. What is stress? Okay. So you have chronic and then you have stress. Chronic is like the designer. And the fucking stress is like the less than mediocre. The fucking outdoors the that Reggie. they pack. The super Reggie Bush. Okay. I, so, and, and I'm talking about. I, outdoor up here. No, no, no. It's not even outdoor. This is shit. Look, this is how they do it. They they plant big ass fields in Mexico of the bullshit, right? They grow it. They don't even trim it. They just cut it down, bro. They might finger trim off a little bit. They just cut it down and put it into a compactor and squish the fuck out of it. And it cures on the fucking way. So they turn it into little bricks and they pack it the fuck up and they send it out. By the time it gets to you, it cured in the fucking travel. And so it's a thick ass fucking brick and you have to break the fucking brick get the little stress up, right? And then fluff it up. Usually I use a tortilla, throw a fucking flour tortilla in there, let it sit for a couple of days, it would come back. I bring it back. It's like bringing it back. But okay, how does the flour tortilla bring the Mexican brick back to life? Uh moisture. Okay. So the because right, it absorbs the moisture from the bread shit. Yes, and it reinvigorates the bag. Some people would use lemon peel, orange peel, whatever they want to funk the flavor of the bullshit weed we were smoking. Okay, because this was total bullshit weed. But I've never had access to any bomb ass weed before. We would just take the bullshit weed and put embalming fluid on it and sell it as a fry stick. That's what we would do, and everybody was drinking that promethazine. That shit was terrible. I never really fucked with it, bro. Uh, but everybody around me was on that fucking lean. You know what I mean? On that bow. 
I mean, I know what you mean because I'm aware of what lean and promethazine are now, but nah, I've never been in environments where most people were on lean. In fact, the only time I ever fucking even did that was by accident. Um, <laughs> I had the cough syrup with codeine, and um, it said teaspoons, and I used tablespoons. And boy, oh boy, it's one of the first 10 episodes of Headspace Podcast on my channel, and I'm faded on lean. The whole fucking thing. Like, I'm just gone. And I was like, you know what? Halfway through this side, I'm going to do a little more. And then I never when I was a kid, they used to call it life. water. They used to call it water, right? Shit. But that was uh, that was basically embalming fluid, which is essentially, if I'm not mistaken, PCP. Yo, PCP is a wild drug, man. I mean, when you but a, like, a fry stick, bro. If you smoke, that's how we would spice up the, the fucking trash. Okay, so the embalming fluid is basically the PCP. So that's like the juices and shit that they would smoke, where they would put the PCP or whatever in it. Yeah, like, like Method Man at you. was fucking smoking when he did to Cal. <laughs> <laughs> nah, for real. Nice. Um, yeah. So he showed those guys the Mexican brick. That's a good point. That is a great it, point. Zalmanel is saying, okay, you guys are tangenting too hard. I need to know what the fuck happens after these guys. So his comment is, so he showed those guys okay. the Mexican brick. Okay. And then they laughed and said, that's not weed. And then what happened? Okay. And so they hired me, right? So, <laughs> so I got the job with the magazine fucks whenever I had to make an escape. Okay, so I went back to the pad. I stuffed a duffel bag full of shit. I grabbed two more pounds of weed, and I was like, because I ended up selling them a fucking 50 sack. You know what I mean? And I used to sell a zip for 50, right? That's the 50 bag. A quarter is a half a zip. You, you feel me? It, it was kind of okay, different math like that. No, I mean, it's the same math. So an, a zip, also known as an ounce, was going for 50 American dollars, which we'll call it 70 up here or some shit like that. Maybe 65. I don't of know trash ass dollars. weed. And, and they were mad to pay me the 50 quarter is four fucking ounces. So that the people know. Or are you talking like a quarter ounce or a quarter pound? Because you said you had pounds on you. Yeah. So I had a half pound on me. Half pound. But I grabbed two more pounds before I left. But I sold them a zip for 50. Um, it, and we used to use a hanging scale back in the day. I, like, I just put it in a fucking uh, a little sandwich bag and hung it on the end of the scale and got it up. You know what I mean? I used to hit him so, with that so fucking 14 for 25. We have good questions coming in. So they have never seen a, a Mexican brick before or they knew that this was a Mexican brick and thus was bad weed? I'm also curious at this point because you had left no, a... they're spoiled ass Californians that had the best fucking weed in the country. Did they and come they and be like, the... "Here's some fucking boom weed, throw it in your face, smoke this, and shut the fuck up"? No, no, they didn't have any weed, and mm. and I was selling them weed that I thought was bomb, but they thought was trash, and I didn't even know it was trash. I was defending it like the best weed on earth, yeah, motherfucker. Fair. I have the best weed in texas right here this red hair fire weed right and they laughing at me like i'm a rube and i get it after i got to california smoked some real weed i was like fuck man i had some trash ass weed um so yeah that was kind of the the 
So they got you to California, right? On the door-to-door sales pitch, and you sold them weed in the middle of this job interview, like straight out some fucking movie. In Texas, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. In a fucking hotel room. Yeah, in the Holiday Inn. Hey, but check this out. So I get with the magazine fucks, right? And they offering me the immediate escape. I leave Texas in 30 seconds and don't say shit to nobody. I'm just gone. I barely said bye to my mom. I, sw- I swung by the, her, her crib. I was like, yo, I, I got to go. How old are you at this point? Uh, 18. Okay, so you're 18. You can... I just got out of jail. No, I was almost 19. I just got out of jail, trying to get back on my feet. I'm on the grind. Shit went left for me. And so I, I had to go. And at that point in time, this was my ticket out. So I swung by, chunked my mama deuce. Um, I love that we got a turbulent relationship, but we're better now. But uh, chunked her a deuce. And because I've essentially been on my own since I was about 13 years old, bro. I left the house at like 13. I got asked to leave. You know what I mean? So I had to go. And I've just been out in the streets ever since. So by this time, I'm a seasoned vet out in the streets. So I, I catch this interview for what i think is a a brand new life and i got all the bag so i'm on there and all these cats are from california and i'm selling them shitty ass weed because they don't know anybody else to get it from you feel me and so i'm rolling with it right and so i left uh and you know how many people go to a job interview and walk out with cash uh, I never thought about it that way. That sounds cool, though. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to be ready to get the money whenever you're ready to get the money. You know what I mean? You got to be available. That's me. I'm always available. So I catch out with them. And what it is is that you stay in a hotel. They rent out hella hotel rooms, right? And you roll around with a bunch of motherfuckers, and they drop you off in little suburbs you know what I mean? And you get out at the front of the suburb and you look at the, they, this is how they train you to do this shit, right? You look at the fucking street sign in the front and then you walk to the back of the neighborhood and you go, hey man, I'm whoop so-and-so. I'm from the street in the front of the neighborhood. Look, we're doing this thing to whatever. And you tell them, hey, we got points to go on this trip or whatever. Can you buy some magazines from me? So that we could go on this trip, and oh, so you're shit. straight up lying to these people, and you're selling them fucking scripts like you're from the neighborhood and shit. And then they go, "Well, wait, wait, in your mom, the one that walks that cocker spaniel? No, I no, my mom's the." They're like, "Hey, I've seen your mom around. Hey, who's your mom?" I said, "My mom's the one that walks that cocker spaniel around." Hey, there's always somebody. Hey, they walk that fucking. There's always somebody to walk. It's like the, the first person tells you what to tell the next people. Bam. And you learn the neighborhood as you go around begging people to buy these fucking shitty magazine subscriptions, right? And I kind of sucked at it because I didn't like lying to people. So I was really bad at it, but I had sold, I sell them weed. So y'all go lie to people and you come back and at night I make my money from what they get. You feel me? I didn't really make too many magazine sales. So you would sell weed to all the magazine sellers. Yeah, and just rode along. But they hated me because the weed was trash. And and they all knew it was trash, but I thought it was great. And I'm I'm and look, I've always been, I wouldn't say a bully, but I've been loud and obnoxious, right? 
And some people feel some type of way about me, but they won't fucking say it to my face. There'll be little bitches in the background. And I never paid too much mind to that shit, right? But all the hater talk that goes on around real motherfuckers, they know. So at, at the end of the day, I, I'm i on this crew that hates me, but they need me, right? I've always been able to make myself valuable. You know what I mean? And so I travel with these fucks up until Fort Worth. And by the time we get to Fort Worth, I got like about a quarter pound of weed left, right? And I always take my weed with me out on the territory because I don't trust those fucks at the hotel room. Like they run up and rob your shit when you're not there. You know what I'm saying? So, but they'll never try you in your face. So anyway, I get dropped off at this at this at the beginning of this suburb at this gas station and I start walking into the suburb and I see a lawman coming up and I I get freaked out like they're way down the street but they're driving up and I get freaked out I'm like oh man like he's gonna smell the weed from there or something I don't know Brad I was tripping I was still crazy thought it was like it probably didn't smell that dank right so look I turned around and I started walking back to that gas station. And then I go up in the gas station and I take it out and I put it into the tank of the toilet. And then I come back out, right? And I'm thinking I'm cool and shit. Um, and whenever I catch the fucking corner, right? Because they saw me get dropped off in the van. They were far enough away. They saw me get dropped off in the van. And I started walking in. And then I saw them turn around and walk to the gas station. Suspect as hell. So they get me, right? And they're like, well, what, what, are, what are you doing? They start questioning me. I'm like, look, dude. I'm just a fucking sales guy. Whatever the fuck, right? And they go, no, 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 no. And they go up in the fucking the, the gas station. And they're like, Hey, where, where did that guy go? They came in here. They go into the fucking bathroom. They find the weed in the tank. They come back out. They get me, throw me, cuff me up, throw me in the back of the car, right? And uh, and then they go and fucking pull over the van that's, you know, heading to the other uh, side of the neighborhood. They pull them over. Everybody gets arrested, right? But the magazine people come and get all of those other fuckers out and and because they they said it was my weed everybody pointed at me and told on me it was like nah that the what do you want to die right hater talk you feel me they kept my ass they wouldn't bail me out and they left me in i had to do three months yeah i did three months in tarrant county for that shit so I had to sit down in Tarrant County for three months. Now, peep this. This is how I made it to Cali. I'll give you the long and short of it real quick. So anyway, I I'm, I get out of that in the fucking... Uh, I get out of Tarrant County three weeks later. They're already gone. They're in Alabama. You feel me? And this is pre-cell phone. Well, it's kind of like the beginning of the cell phone era. You know what I mean? But I'm calling them. And I'm telling them, hey, yo, don't leave me in fucking Fort Worth. I got out of jail. I did my fucking time. That means, you know, bring me back. You feel me? You can't leave me here. So they say, okay, we're going to send you a bus ticket to go to Bessemer, Alabama. I'm like, okay, but I can't leave for two days. So 
And I'm like fresh out of jail, don't got nothing. So two days in Fort Worth, bro, sleeping outside. I I got rolled the I rode the bus all the way to the end of the line and to Lancaster. I got out in Lancaster. I'm fucking around, and it's kind of weird up north in Dallas. It was like all the fiends were on the block, and and the D boys would come through and serve them and bounce out. And it's kind of different, like in Houston where I was from. You know what I mean? Basically, the D-Boys own the block, and they be out to the fiends and come get what they want and get the fuck on. You know, but up there was like zombies run the block, and the D-Boys would just come and... Anyway, um, so I'm out there with all the zombies, and I'm like, fuck. Uh, what am I going to do? I'm just uh, talking to people, got in a, a fucking bullshit conversation with somebody, went left. Uh, next thing I know, died. You know, I'm trying to get away. They licking shots at me. I'm dipping. Um, motherfuckers almost got me that time. <laughs> I slept. Dude, that was the coldest I've ever been in my life. I slept beside this building one night, bruh. And I didn't have no jacket or nothing, man. It had to be like 30 degrees or something. It is hella light. Um, it's hella like Not cold like y'all get cold, but cold for a Texas boy. You feel me? I'm shivering as fuck, right? Anyway, so I ride the fucking gray dog out to Bessemer, Alabama, and I catch up with these fuckers. I think I get out at the bus stop, and these motherfuckers are gone already. They're they're going to Atlanta. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? I just got to Bessemer. So I'm in Bessemer for a fucking night, um, and they send me a continuation ticket to Atlanta. So I'm like, okay. So I ride from Bessemer, Alabama to Atlanta. So I finally meet them up in Atlanta, right? And I'm with the magazine crew this time. But now I have to sell the fucking bullshit magazines. And all these motherfuckers hate me. And I got them arrested one night. And I got no weed. That is not a good place to be in. Yeah. So that was about three months of fucking with them. And, you know, what I started doing is because I was more industrious than the rest of these fucks. Because they didn't have no balls. They were a bunch of bitch-ass pussies. Anyway, I would, while I'm out on territory, I'm looking for weed. I'm looking for whoever's got a zip, got a quap, whatever. I'm trying to get it so I can get back in business. You know what I mean? That was my... I like being on the top of the fucking pyramid. But I I just wasn't. So, uh, yeah, man. So anyway, I kept coming up on little, like, little weed come-ups out in the hood. Because they would drop me off in the hood, bro. And they were like, oh, fuck, you go. Blah, blah, blah. Sell magazines. Nobody wants to buy that shit in the hood. So I didn't really sell shit. So they were already mad at me because they're providing... Um, food and lodging, and you get a little check. You know what I mean? Off whatever you sell. You know, and I wasn't really selling shit. Um, but I always hustled. So it comes a time where shit is going left with everybody. Some shit ended up missing. Motherfucking words was exchanged, and I had tapped somebody up, and it was a uh, it, it 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 was like one of the head dudes' friends, like good friends. Um, because he stole from me, bruh. So I, you know, I tapped him on his head a little bit. And uh, they didn't like that shit. And it was uh, all in all, like, the whole deal was when I left, 
they said, okay, if you ever want to leave at any time, just let us know. We'll give you a bus ticket back to Texas. You feel me? And when all this went left, we were in Norcross, Georgia, right? And they were like, I, I was like demanding a ticket back to Texas. Y'all are going to send me home. You're going to pay for a ticket for me to go back home, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this is really a life lesson in be who you can afford to be. Because I was nothing but a, a money loss to these motherfuckers and a troublemaker. So I had no standing at all. Anyway, so he tells his bitch to take me down to the bus stop and get me a ticket back to Texas. But in reality, what they were doing was they were ditching me at the fucking bus station. <laughs> I So I made the bitch get out and take me to the fucking counter and show me the ticket. Because she said, get out, go to the counter. Your ticket is there. You know what I mean? And I'm like, nah, you're not leaving. You're walking with me to that fucking counter and you're going to show me the fucking ticket. So I grab my shit. I frog march her ass into the counter, right? And we're waiting in line. When we're the next people to go to the counter, she starts screaming, help, help at the fucking bus station, bro. And I'm like, what, bitch? Help. And she starts running, bro. And I'm like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I drop my bag and I take off after her, bro. And she bolts out of the bus station and makes it to the uh, her the car. And I get the security kind of like, what's going on? I said, that bitch is trying to ditch me at the fucking bus station. And I burn off. I push past them and burn out there, but she skirted off. Ah, took off. Left with nothing at the bus station. Because I, you know, motherfuckers stole all of my shit, all my money, everything out of the room. So I tap somebody up. They fucking give me the whole rundown. And trying to like boot me out at the fucking bus station, bro, it, with nothing, knowing nobody in a in a in a brand new city, bro. You feel me? So, what do I do? I go back in. I grab my shit, right? And I'm like, holy you're, you're fuck! You're in Georgia, right? <clears throat> Georgia, I'm in Atlanta at this point. Okay, so, so this is like yeah. you've gone from Texas and you've moved towards California on this journey. No, I went to the East Coast. That was total oh, opposite dude, you direction. Know how bad my U.S. geography is. So you're saying that you went Easter? Yeah, I went to the East Coast. Uh, Georgia's uh, directly opposite of California as far as coast to coast. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So I'm in Georgia, Atlanta, right? And I enjoyed Atlanta while I was there. Well. So anyway, I'm at the bus station. I got ditched at the bus station. The bitch gave me the slip. And I'm there with all everything I own in life with fucking nothing at all, bro. And so I drag my duffel and I go across the street and I just drop my shit. And I'm, I park it on. There's like a fucking set of uh, rocks across the street. You know, motherfucker just set on the rock, bro. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. And when I did, there was two dudes in blue, like, windbreaker jackets sitting on some other rocks across the street. And they, they looked at me. And I'm still hot, bro. I'm, like, so hot. I just don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. It's, like, pivotal point in my life. 
I have no idea how I'm going to get the fuck out of this situation. Right. You know what I mean? And, and the dude goes, hey, what happened? We saw that bitch ditch you. What the fuck? And so I gave him the story, right? And uh, and I spit it like in bars. You know what I mean? And they really enjoyed that shit. That we kind of vibe. We had a moment, right? And they get to telling me this story about how they just came from Detroit, and the company that they worked for was had bust them out from Detroit to do this deregulation of the gas shit out there in Georgia and up the East Coast, right? They were with Energy America, right? And it's supposed to be this cushy, same kind of gig I was just on. Live at the hotel, go out the territory, except instead of selling shitty magazines, you were giving people an option to pay 10% less on their gas bill. Hey, just put your name here, sign here. You pay 10% less from this different company that they have to use the same pipe. The same gas you get right now, just a different company is allowed to sell it to you so there's competition and it's not a monopoly. That's how it works in America. America! Pew, pew! That's, bro, everything about America is a monopoly. Go look at how, like, six country companies, like, run the world. Hey, but there's six, not one. That's a monopoly. It's effectively a monopoly in every field. I, I understand. <laughs> no, it's a consortium, but... I get it. Look, it's effectively a monopoly, even if it's not technically a monopoly. That is how they live on the edges. But fuck them. We'll get there later. <laughs> Look, so, so at the no, bus I station. I appreciate what you're saying. You're being given the opportunity to give people a more legitimate product in bullshit magazines they don't want. Right. So I thought, fuck yeah, I could do this door to door. Because as a, as a younger kid, bro, I used to sell Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door as a hustle. You know what I mean? But anyway. It's a real thing, eh? Yeah. We're going to get back to the story at hand. Now, what had happened was they called their people at corporate, right? Because they got left at the bus station. So they weren't going to be able to get picked up until Monday. And this was Friday. You feel me? I got so fucked on that Friday, but I got blessed at the same time because I happened to run into these motherfuckers that dug my story and my vibe, and they talked to their headquarters, and they were like, look, we got one more guy with us. He needs a job too. And I was like, they was like, okay, woo. So they got me a job, sight unseen, with a hotel room and everything in the same place that I got ditched. It couldn't have worked out any better than that it was already designed for me and so i i got with them but it turned out uh so when we went out there right because the two dudes were black right and they went to an all-black crew that worked exclusively the hood because nobody else wanted to go around in the hood all kinds of hoods and we're talking east coast hoods like seat pleasant district heights like all the way up and down the you know what i mean decatur norcross all of these bankhead 
I'm just saying, okay, man. So, so a bunch of hoods on the East Coast, because I'm like, right. I haven't heard of any of these hoods. And I end up I in an all-black all van crew. I'm like the only white dude in an all-black van crew out in the hoods on the East Coast deregulating the gas. And so this last... Fuck. I swear to him, like, four, six months? Um, We made it all the way from Georgia, right? Once we were homeless that... That's another story for another time. That weekend being homeless and broke in Atlanta, that was fun. Uh, with the two guys I just met, <laughs> it was a team building experience. Anyway, so I end up on the van. Crew. I gotta know, like, what? What did you do? <laughs> oh, bruh. That was my first time ever going to a homeless shelter, right? So that, that night, um, we were just out, like we all had like a, a 10, 20 bucks on us. We didn't have I'm really shit you, for right. money. Your life is a movie, dude. Keep going. This is a fucking wild movie. When you said you don't know what's going on in my life, and when you're singing that in your songs, no, nobody had any idea that it was gonna go like this. This is wild. Bruh, look, check this. So, um, well, anyway, long story short, that weekend we were scrounging, okay, begging. End up at the you gotta go to the shelter. It's like uh the fire and uh something fire and whatever mission. I was at a fire mission, bro. Uh I wanna say brimstone, but I don't think that's right. I was at a mission that had fire in the title or whatever, and and, and before every meal, you had to listen to the sermon to get the meal. So we go to church, we sit in there, we get the meal, then we were out. We went all over the underground. We just begging, like, hey, man, you got some money. We broke. Can we eat? And I was rapping. I was like, hey, you want to hear some fucking freestyle? Check this shit out, right? Because I'm di I'm doing this. I've been consistently freestyling all the time to anybody that would listen since I was, like, nine. You know what I mean? Yes. So that in itself, my mom hated it. She told me shut the fuck up all the time. She thought that freestyling was a phase. And, uh, I mean, I'm you know, 40-something right now ain't gonna tell on me. And uh, it didn't seem to be a fucking phase, bro. So um, I didn't grow out of it. It seemed to have uh, formulated the, the core of my being. So this, this is what I do for fucking... Because I'm always like... Look, I never pressed to come out and... and because I realized early on, like, if you ain't got fuck all to talk about, what the fuck are you saying? Because I hate music that has no meaning. If it doesn't have a meaning... I hate it. I don't want to hear mumble raps. I don't want to hear just slumpy bullshit. I don't want to hear fucking that's not music to me. If it doesn't have a I meaning or purpose. I'm the screaming shit. I'm going to throw it out there. <clears throat> no, I'm not. I don't like that shit. If, it, if I can't decipher it, and I got a pretty good ear, and if I can't figure out what the fuck you're saying, you got problems. You got serious problems. But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, so I burn up through fucking that weekend with these guys underground fucking around, man, running into all types of shit. Anyway, so we show up for the first day, man, and, and I get into this groove going to all the hoods on the East Coast trying to deregulate the gas in my blue. It looked like a Fed uniform, bro. It was a fucking blue windbreaker. You feel me? So you're walking around the hood in a fucking blue windbreaker, and I'm the only white dude that motherfuckers have probably seen all fucking year. 
And I'm coming up to your door going, nobody wants to hear that shit. They look out and see the dude in the fucking blue windbreaker at the white dude in the blue windbreaker is never a good sign. It's never a good fucking sign. So it, it was a serious challenge to overcome, right? Anyway, so I ended up with them all the way up to like D.C. We went through Maryland, Baltimore, all of that, right? And I ended up in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, at this point in time, I've been successfully um, finding little hookups for herb. Because I'm still doing the same thing. I'm going to hustle and hustle. Always. Hustle and hustle. Always. So I'm the only guy that has enough charisma to get these motherfuckers to get the fucking... They don't... You know what I mean? They're like, nah, man, we're, we're not fucking with these guys. We don't know them, blah, blah, blah. And I've never been... Uh, I guess... I've never been nervous to go up and talk to people. I don't give a fuck who you are. I always thought I was the Billy Badass. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm the baddest motherfucker standing in this circle. So I don't give a fuck, right? Until I got shown a couple of times I was not. And, and it made me rethink that approach. Like the Billy Badass approach, uh, but it's not exactly it. But I, I still got the double dragon gloves. But you know what I mean? Anyway, we're going to transition back to where I get dumped by the Energy America fucks, bro, up in the East Coast. Now, it's getting to be the winter, right? And I, I started seeing snow and shit. I'm not used to this shit. I, I'm I'm a Southern boy. I never saw snow in my fucking life, bro. And, uh, and I hate the cold. I don't like the cold. Anyway, so we're at this... We're, we're at this, uh... We're at this fucking... Uh, Indian Hotel out in like uh Maryland, yeah, right around DC, right? And uh, I roll up on the so the, the boys are like, Hey, we because we ran our weed, we ain't had weed for probably a week, two weeks, shit is getting testy, right? And they're like, We saw these dudes smoking a blunt and they went into this room, right? When I got back from territory, and I was like, Okay. I said, y'all didn't say nothing? Well, nah, nah, they look, nah, we didn't say nothing. They look crazy. I was like, the fuck? So I go over and knock on the fucking door. And they peep out the little blinds, bro. They're like, who the fuck are you? I'm like, hey, I'm Mike Device, bro. It looks at me, who the fuck is Mike Device? I said, look, man. And I made the universal sign for some tree. I'm like, nah, I touched the lips. What? I said, look, man, I'm just from Texas, bro. I'm trying to make it. I got some bread, blah, blah, blah. It, he said, like, get the fuck away from my door with that shit, man. What the fuck's wrong with you? And he cussed me out. And so I went to the room, right? And I called his room from my room. I, yeah, I, this is the dude that was just outside your shit, bro. Look, I, I'm sorry about that, man. You know, and I started explaining my situation. And uh, I'm like, look, man, I'm just trying to make it, bro. You know what I mean? Just look out for me, man. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, oh, you want some? Okay, man. All right, man, I'm going to sell you some weed. And I wait up all that night, bro. I'm staying up hella late waiting for this dude to come through. He never comes through. I fall asleep, right? 
6 30 in the fucking morning bro this motherfucker's beating on the door and i opened he's like you still want the fucking weed i was like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know okay it's gonna be 70 dollars for the zip i was like all right all right i peeled him his bread i got the zip i was like look man i'm gonna get back with you i'm gonna are y'all gonna be there blah 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 and he's like yeah 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 i said okay so i ended up going out to territory that day right and when I get out of territory, everybody, I split the zip up and everybody bought it the fuck up. I didn't even get to smoke a joint. You feel me? They're so thirsty for this shit. Anyway, and this was trash-ass East Coast weed, bro. Terrible. It was worse than Texas weed. But I digress. Anyway, so I I get this fucking... Uh, I get this bag divvied up between all these motherfuckers. And I, I'm trying to call that room. It's not answering he's not answering and then i finally get him that evening and i'm like look and he's like short what up short that's how they talk out there they like you know they they call the police the 12 right <laughs> so and they they're like well at that time it was like short shorty short you know that that was some heavy shit. anyway uh so he's talking to me and he's like uh what's up what's up i said look man let me get another one i'm gonna come through I'm gonna come through right now, baby. He's like, nah, nah, come through later. Like about tells me when to come through. I'm like, all right. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I come through, I knock on the door. Right? I walk in there. Bro, there's like 13 motherfuckers in this fucking little bitty ass hotel room wrapped around the fucking room. And they're all standing there like this shit right here, quiet as fuck, like serious. You could hear a fucking pin drop, and I'm walking in like, whoa. Like, the fucking energy was definitely on some fuck you. We're about to kill your ass shit. You know what I mean? And anyway, and you got to know, bro, when you're you when you in a room full of motherfuckers, and none of them got a smile on their face, and there's only one motherfucker talking, you better know that's a bad situation. So this motherfucker starts questioning me. About who I am, where I'm from, that I'm the police, see the windbreaker, look at me like, what do you want? This is, I had a button down, you feel me? And he, he tell me, you probably Aryan Brotherhood. You probably whoop de want All this shit, right? And I'm just, I'm taking the whole rundown from dude. I'm, I'm sizing him up. Because I'm like, look, I could probably get him first. And that's what, you know, I'm going to go for it. Because if if you're going to like, If you're going fucking If you want it with me what, I'm going to give you all I got before I go Trust me Anyway So I'm sizing dude up And I'm just getting more mad Because he keep talking he keep talking fucking bad to me and Like I'm just some bitch ass motherfucker Right And I was like we, He kind of had a pause in the fucking way I tore my button up off And I got tats all my you know i got tats all here this all tatted up <clears throat> i said where the fuck you gonna put that ab tat so that dude kind of had this look on his face like like what the fuck right and one of the dudes in the back he goes can you rap i go can i rap uh, and I start breaking it off in him, bro. Just 
like y'all like, I give him the whole business. And the dude goes, short. So what you say your name was again? I said, man, I'm Mike Device. He said, hey, he come here, put his arm around me. He's, he's looking at everybody else. He goes, hey, this Mike Device, short round with me. Anybody fuck with him? They gonna get it from me. Hey, short, you gonna be my new artist, right? Bro. <laughs> I have like an idea of what happens next, so I'm aware a little bit. But you gotta tell the people this part of the story. This is like, bro, bro. I don't think it's more insane as male. Okay, so at this point in time, I'm pretty discontent with the energy America fucks, and I really was like on some, you know, fuck them shit too. So I was gonna sneak out in the night. It was kind of like a partial kidnapping, partial voluntary thing at first, you know. It was a little sketch, kind of just getting absorbed into the fucking streets out there. But anyway, after that night, that dude never let me out of his sight. I stayed with him all the time at the hotel room. We went everywhere together for about two weeks. Uh, he, he had the thing, he said, this is flawless records, right? And you going to be my new artist on flawless records. But really what I was, I was one of those fucking uh, dancing monkeys. You know what I mean? He'd just take me out to all the hoods, crank me up and be like, rap about that building. Rap about that fucking street side. Rap about that bitch over there. And if I'm telling you, bro, like motherfuckers, they was looking at me like it it was a a pretty wild situation and i kind of it, it got a little sketch to the point where like one night towards the end um you know because they were taking me everywhere man they got it on the east coast they had whenever i was out there they had like undercover strip clubs they had like liquor stores in the front and then you bounce into the back of the liquor store and it's a strip club that don't nobody, you know, it's like an underground deal. I'm like, wow. You know what I mean? Like we, we just have big ass, like multiplex strip clubs in Texas. Like they, how big can the sign be on the highway? You know what I mean? <laughs> but anyway, so out there, they got, uh, they used to have, these bulletproof chicken wing joints, right? And, and it's like, these motherfuckers that sell you chicken wings in the middle of the night, and they got no tables, no chairs, in the whole little spot inside, and it's bulletproof glass over that motherfucker. Your wings come out of a box. You feel me? So I get out one night towards the end of this whole, like, fucking jack-in-the-box deal, and uh, I'm out there. And we getting some wings and shit. I walk outside here. Where are you from? And I turn up by the time I'm going to say something to motherfuckers. They licking off shots at me, bro. So I dip and dive down behind the car. And this motherfucker bolts out of the chicken shop, bro. It just starts wah, 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 letting it off. And I'm like, well, we in the car. We making a getaway. At that point in time, I'm like, yo, I can't get a fucking pistol. I can't. You know what I mean? Everybody else got fucking pistols i got shit i'm getting shots licked at me again and so i end up catching out of that situation uh back at the hotel room pack my shit up 
and I just kind of snuck off in the middle of the night <laughs> and made my little escape. So I headed back to the to the fucking grade, dog. And because it was so fucking cold, I was like, I can't handle this fucking winter bullshit on the East Coast, bruh. I got I had a boy of mine that I met back in Texas that, you know, that situation where everybody was going every which way. Um, one of my dudes was from California. That kind of came up my first kind of real producer, DJ. I mean, he had a Casio and we were doing it on fucking tapes. You know what I mean? Real tapes, like the, the recorders from the library, the old square ones. <laughs> we was recording uh, a little freestyle tapes on that shit. But anyway, so he ends up going back to fucking Cali. And at that point in time, I'm like, damn, this shit is fucking uh, like crazy. I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm, I call him up from the payphone. I'm like, bro. Let me just sleep on your couch, man. I will get a job, bro. I will get my own shit. Just give me a, a jump off point. Give me a starting point. And he's like, okay. All right, man. Just come on out, bro. You can sleep on the couch, but not more than a month. I was like, all right, man. All right, bro. I'll do, I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I spent like the last little bit of money on on the, the ticket to get from there to Cali. And um, I basically had like maybe 20 or 40 bucks to feed me the whole trip. There's like four days or something. So I'm fucking starving on this motherfucker, right? I'm great dogging it from the East Coast to the West. And I get into the fucking L.A. vicinity about that time. Um, and this was getting to be right after Pac died. So probably in like the 96-ish realm. 97 ish yeah. something like that somewhere back in that time bro and that's whenever i was getting to california and so i whenever i touched down in california again i find myself alone in a foreign land with no one to love me okay so i because i called the fucking homie up and he never answered the phone. I've been in California almost 20 something years right now. And this, I've never seen this motherfucker one time, bro. One time. This motherfucker never answered the phone. So what I did was I rustled up a bump. I said, bump, where the fuck you be eating? How the fuck you live out here, bro? What's good? And uh, he gives me the rundown on the shelter system. It tells me, hey, you need to get to downtown LA. That's where all the shelters are, right? And I'm like, okay, let me go to downtown LA. So I go back into the, I was out in the suburbs, like a place called Pasadena, right? Which is kind of like right next to LA, kind of in the LA metro area, but not downtown LA. So I go back into the great dog people and I talk them into let me back on the bus that's going to the end line in uh in uh downtown LA. So they let me on the bus. I get brought down to downtown LA. That starts my California fucking journey right there, but so I end up downtown LA, bro. And if you've never been just look up Fifth Street in San Julian okay. on any Google's map. On right any now. Google said, map. Okay, you can Street. do it right now. Fifth Street in San Julian. In downtown LA, there's a hotel down there called the Panama. 
Hold on. You said we can look this up on any map. We're just going to go to Street View. On, 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 look, put it on Street View on Google Earth. Yeah, I'm, working <laughs> on, I'm working on this shit. What? There we go. Fifth Street and San Julian. Everybody, right. you can see it now. Downtown LA. This is it. Hey, there's the Panama. Oh, they cleaned that motherfucker up. Over there is the park. Now, if you go down that street right there, Fifth Street, right? That goes right into downtown. Man, Dave, this is the most beautiful picture I've ever seen of this motherfucker. <laughs> Where are all the bombs? <laughs> Holy shit, they cleaned this shit up. This is amazing. This motherfucker is living in cardboard. Like Google edited out the bums. Dude, they might have because Doug, like seriously, look into the newspaper, bro. That shit is mania as fuck. I don't know that we've anyway, ever gone on Google Maps before on this. We should, we should do this more mate, often, people. This whenever fun. I hit, I'm keep whenever I hit Fifth Street and San Julian, um, I ended up down there, and they they got me into a uh. They got me into a program because I never heard about this shit before. But in California, if you're just a regular dude and you're broke, they'll just give you fucking money. They call it GR, general relief. You feel me? And I've never had the thought that because in Texas, they don't do that, bro. If you can work, if you're a grown ass man and you can work, they're not giving you fuck all. Now, if you're a pregnant chick or something, you you'll get welfare. But they don't give grown ass men that can work fucking welfare. That 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 was an unheard of concept. So I was like, damn, they'll just give you money and food stamps. And back then they gave you actual food stamps with fucking uh paper, you know what I mean? And bus tokens and shit. So anyway, I would always go take the fucking uh food stamps down to the park and sell them to the fucking Pisces, cause they take they'll buy them at half the face value of cash out right there. Boom, half. So you get like $500 in food stamps and like $750. And then you go and get $250 for the food stamps. And you got a thou wow to come up on, get your pack. You know what I mean? But I lived in downtown LA, which is synonymous for like savage bum land. You know, like the dregs of society. Well, that is like the people that end up homeless in downtown at the that midnight. Mission. Yeah, that is Skid Row. What do you oh, mean near Skid Row? Bro, I don't that know. is okay. Skid Row. I googled Skid Row a couple months back on some curiosity. I'm like, what's Skid Row? And then you look at how big this fucking area is, and you're like, and then I watch, maybe it was a Vice video. You know when Vice does some shit like, yeah, yeah, yeah. look into Skid Row. And one of them type of videos. And I, and then I looked at it on the map, and I know that was that. But, yo, that's fucking, like, wow. No, that's Skid Row. That's the cleanest I've ever seen Skid Row is down that good. Look, I have never not seen motherfuckers in cardboard. There's a police station right there that motherfuckers camp out in front of. Like, right down the street from the hotel. Um, But anyway, whenever I was down there, bro, it was, like, legit Skid Row. This is the 90s, you know what I mean? And, um. Uh, so I ended up getting into the program, getting what they call an SRO, a single occupancy, uh, a single uh, occupancy room. It's like a, a cell. You get to leave every day, but you got to give them the key to your room and then pick it up. When you come back in, you got a 10 o'clock curfew. 
and then you could go around to all the missions down there and eat and then people would always pull up uh like churches and stuff would always pull up and they would just you know feed you out the back of their shit you know what i mean there's always be lines for shit you know motherfuckers just stand in lines down there like that's their job to just stand in line and people give you shit it's the most amazing thing i ever seen in life bro seriously they had this one bishop dude um catholic dude he pulled up out every sunday in the afternoon and he'd bring out fat stack of dollars bro and had everybody a dollar bang 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 in fact i waited in that line for a dollar a couple of times like you would wait 45 an hour in the line for a fucking dollar can you imagine that shit no that 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 is like sort of the maybe. pinnacle of what the fuck you feel me I mean, I think it's super interesting. How many? I don't know anybody that was in Skid Row. I've never talked to a human being that was ever gone through that experience. And so, yeah, and the media is never really gonna talk about it. This oh. nobody covers it. The best we're Look, ever. I used get to run pres- people who oh. talk about it like this. This is the best we're ever gonna get on this because nobody was around back then, you know. Dude, I used to run protection for this lesbian broad with blue hair that used to sell crack out of her ass. And I would watch her back, keep motherfuckers from jacking her and shit. You know what I mean? Just straight up selling crack in downtown LA. That was probably the pinnacle of my fucking, like, my my whole, like, oh, I'm going to be bad. I'm a badass dude. What do you want? And I end up fucking down, crack dealer in downtown LA. That is like, what the fuck? How does that happen? Um, So I'm, I guess I'm kind of telling you how it happens. Anyway, <laughs> how does it seek self-realization? So, so look, I I end up deciding that hey man, I gotta like take advantage of these opportunities down here because, um, so they helped me get a social security card. They helped me get a legit job, right? I started working for this boiler room in Hollywood and Vine, um. And Hollywood is away from like downtown LA. You gotta like get on a train for like a half hour, 45 minutes to get to Hollywood, right? So I would ride the train from downtown L- every day to, to Hollywood and Vine to go and work at uh uh the uh the boiler room for ATT selling long distance to old people. Basically, you're slamming old people all day. This was a ruthless fucking thing. As a telemarketer, bro, it, it's fucking crazy. So, uh, essentially, I uh, I worked there for almost two years and lived in downtown L.A. at the hotel room. Uh, and other various shelters throughout that process because you know periodically you had to vacate that motherfucker and go somewhere else um but uh it, until the supervisor right he goes he, he sees me going to the train and he's like hey man where do you live i said i live in downtown la at the panama and he goes what the fuck you live on skid row and he's just in utter fucking amazement bro of like, you know, like, wow, you live with the bums, but you're up here working? Like, what the fuck? So he kind of puts me under his wing. And he says, nah, man, you got to move in with me in Hollywood. 
And this is when the Hollywood journey kicks off. And I, I moved to Kuwanga, right? And this Kuwanga dude, it, it's a fucking famous block in Hollywood. But listen, this block, Kuwanga and Wilcox, famous for fucking porn stars. This dude lives in a fucking building where all the porn stars live, bro. And I, I literally, like, I'm fucking, like, I go from being where the bums are, bro, to being where all the fucking porn stars are, where the pool eye candy is just, what the fuck? But they won't fuck with you because you have to have paperwork. There's, like, you know what I mean? It's high, it, it, the AIDS epidemic shit was at a peak at that point. And if they didn't have you on paper, they weren't fucking you. But if you had paper and money, they fuck you. Uh, yeah. But anyway, look. <laughs> so he drags me off a of skid row, bro, and moves me in with him, right? And it, lo and behold, come to find out that this fucking corporation dude at night was a coke dealer at the strip clubs. And he was a boss, a fucking boss boss but he didn't have any protection and basically i was running protection for this guy and so i would roll with him all night at the strip club with the best cocaine in la bro and all the strippers you can fucking imagine it was like if he was it could have been some fucking kid's wet dream like really it was awesome so look anyway back hollywood that's whenever i I really cracked it off in hollywood so there was like a long time of me being on hollywood boulevard um rapping like creating crowds freestyling on hollywood boulevard trying to tell trying to sell people my bullshit five dollar mixtape that i had burned i i used to have the fucking tower burner and i would burn my fucking mixtape on the tower burner and be like i'll sign it for you right now i'm the artist look listen to that with the boom box bro listen to my shit buy this shit right now and um i started selling not only my shit but also other mixtapes I would just, I was literally like on, you know, hand to hand in Hollywood. And uh, that's a treacherous fucking place, man. I ended up going all over like LA, you know what I mean? Just kind of falling in and out of shit, bro. Um, I ended up at a place that had, you know, some of my formative years were spent at a place um, on El Centro uh across from the valleys man there was like this uh this office building used to call it the top floor bro it was filled up with basically rappers and producers and there was just a mob of rappers and producers over there we used to have fun man we call it the l block (laughs) i don't know why you called it the l block um because it was on el centro oh right so we called it the L block. But it was like, if you could imagine like rap college, what rap college would be like, it was like rap college. There was guys getting deals. There was guys that you making noise, guys building a buzz. You know, she was always going off around me. Uh, I was just always kind of like the character that people were expecting most likely to get washed up. You know, because I was pretty wild. I had a wild mouth. And somebody was probably going to kill me sooner than later. So. 
I, hey, I ended up, you know, I'm still alive, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm beating the odds two times over. Fair. I mean, I can see how you could run your mouth a little bit, and it might maybe not make people happy with you. Fair enough. Oh, yeah. So you're cruising with a bunch of rappers on the streets of L.A. Yeah, this is about the time I was at, like, Project Blowed in South Central. I used to go down to that. Yeah, fuck with uh real friend for the follow appreciate that yeah it's, go out to the fucking uh like f you know fuck with the freestyle fellowship and then medusa all those cats down there um it was fun bro they used to have this old dude that come to, that used to come around the project blow they called him dr rap and when i say old dude i'm talking like a 70 80 year old man but they come and let him get in the cypher and let him fucking old white man bro and let him get in the cypher and i ended up getting fucking featured in a newspaper article with that dude one time because we were like he we were rapping side by side in the in the article and they kind of talked to me a little bit about it you know what i mean it's it one of my problems i was a thug life model bro i used to fuck with this dude that did thug life clothing and uh i i modeled the fucking jailhouse jumper <laughs> dude there was hip toss bro he was one of my my favorite fucking people like you fall in and out with people you know what i mean and, and it's not like i i hate anybody i love everybody and um if I see them to this day, unless there's dirt between us, um, you know, it's just that we we lost connection, bro. We lost touch. There's like so many people I lost touch with, bro. It being like that apex wolf out here, lone wolfing. Cause, yeah, nah, that's anyway, kind of what happens. Up. But it's not even beyond lone wolfing, bro. You could be a pack animal. And if you compare most people's pack at 35 to their pack at 25, the number of similarities in those two packs is mad small. So it's just kind of like, it's like what happens. You, you get you get more interested in different things. The various paths of life drive you. Like maybe you know, a lot of people's lives change because of the magical words, I'm pregnant. <clears throat> now that's a lovely one. So, like, I mean, I don't know when that comes, but I'm just saying, like, and especially as you get older, it's like, yo, everybody be at different places chasing different things. And, like, the statistical probability of every motherfucker getting the same deal at the same time and elevating together is, like, you know. Man. But, like, look, I've seen it tear motherfuckers apart, bro. I've seen it come to blows, come to shots. I've seen it get ugly. So, like, at the same time, you know, I love and respect everyone. You know what I mean? And I expect that back in this world. And eventually when your karma zeroes out and you get to that point where, because um, I've spent the, my youth destroying and lying and being a fucking total shithead and a dirtbag, that, you know, I make no qualms about it. That was absolutely, I was a total fucking tool. And I get it. Everybody out there that, that got on the wrong end of vice back then, I apologize. I got my sincerest apology. Look, publicly stated, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I was able to make it and live to the point where I was able to, um, you know, kind of normalize, I would call it. Because at a point in time, bro, I, I'm not really formally educated. I graduated from the county jail. I got a GED in jail. You feel me? And from that point i never i would never pay to learn something that somebody else will pay me to fucking learn you dig what i'm saying so at the point in time that you know 
I learned this early in life. Um, if you're the most valuable person in the room, people take you places and give you shit. That's so I was always the guy that was like, okay, I could do that. Let me, and I would find out, I would figure out how to do whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? And I would make it happen. Um, sometimes it didn't end well and it wasn't great work, but <laughs> I would always give it a shot. You know what I mean? Uh, till I kind of stumbled into a trade that, you know, speaks my language and, uh, you know, but that was, that's one thing, but I, I never really had like a, a, a regular like factory job, bro. Like my brother, he got nut cancer from some fucking nuclear factory in Texas. And I just never fucking, I never went down that road, bro. I just, it's always been. Almost all of your things, man, are unexpected. Like nobody was expecting you to throw them. My brother got nut cancer up in there and to follow all of that <laughs> up. Like, you know, like. I love this, dude. Your fucking energy is proper for this type of thing. Uh, I mean, people are trying to dominate my time um, right now. They're trying to tell me what to do, and I've never been good at uh, getting told what to do, man. Do you mean like Just, literally I'm, right now or like in the general sense of right Literally, now? metaphorically, physically, and fucking beating on my fucking my office door, man. My trailer. I got a little trailer beside my house because I have six kids. And uh, you got to have a place where you can lock yourself away for a second. Get back in touch with who you are and then come back to the situation and make it better. Otherwise... We'll spin our tires till we make everything as worse as it can possibly be. You know, there's a lot of fucking growing up to do still I got to do. But at this point in time in life, like I'm very pleased being lower middle class. I'm very pleased um, having the ability to provide for my many children. I'm very pleased that I'm articulate and intelligent enough to keep a roof over everybody's heads, keep food in their bellies, and not end up fucking washed out. Because that is the, the deficit of fathers in this world, I believe, is at the core of most issues that we have. I had a deficit of a father, and I ended up so hard-headed and stupid that I boomeranged my life out of control and somehow ended up safely somewhere. And that, in and of itself, is fucking amazing. To me. It is definitely amazing. <clears throat> no, for real. I mean, the fact that you're at a place in your life where you're able to sit here and talk about... I fucking swear, dude, you should write a book about this shit with a lot of details that you can put into it as much. Because it's, it's really movie-esque, man. It's like... I, I, I tell you what, bro. Look, my friends will come up and tell me shit about me that I don't have any recollection of at all. And it happens all the fucking time, bro. Uh, my boy... Like, like, there's also a section of my life where I end up in Hawaii. Believe it or not. Okay, what, that's okay. where I got this belly go from. Hawaii? Is that I got this, LA? Or... That was... Uh, that was... After LA, before Louisiana, and post Northern Cali. Okay, so what happens? You're in LA. You're cruising around with a bunch of rappers and stuff, doing rapper college. Um, are you still? That's why I meet my current wife. So you meet your current wife. Well, I met. I met. 
Look, I bet I have two baby. I have two women that have my children. Mm. My oldest daughter is from that previous relationship. And I met her in LA and I met my current five daughters that live with me, mother in LA as well. Um, so that was a double cycle. And in between, um, so I met my first, this is uh, like, so, okay, I guess we're transitioning. It was the L block both times with both wives. It. It's crazy, man. Hold on. The L block helps you get some action. That's what I've learned about the L block. Well, <laughs> the, the L block back in the old man type of way of the term balling. Look, man. Let Let's put it like this, right? So my first go around in LA was all wildness mixtapes and just fuckery, and uh, I ended up batting above my weight class. And uh, ended up with a fucking calendar model, bro. But she happened to be from Hawaii, right? And uh, so when we got pregnant, right, we decided that we're not having a kid in L.A. Like, I would never have a kid in L.A. That's out of the question. Uh, because I know what LA is. It's the fucking black hole of soul suck. It is something that will chew you up and fucking spit you out. And if you're not ready for that type of action, it will fucking ruin you. So we're not going to do it, right? So it was either, hey, go back to my people in Texas or go to her people in Hawaii. And if you've got a choice between Texas and Hawaii, come on, man. You know Hawaii's winning that shit hands down. I'm going to Hawaii. Tropical fucking paradise? Come on. I never even planned to do that shit. I never planned to live anywhere I've lived. I just end up there. Leaf on the wind status. But so um, we're pregnant. This is like 2001, right? This is right before the world trade happens. Check this out, right? I had a, a ticket booked for 9-11 to fly from LAX to Hawaii. That's wild. So what what's happening, right, is I ended up getting fucking locked up. And she was mad about the shit. And she burnt off and she went to Hawaii. And she was with her mom. And I was supposed to get out of jail get my shit together and get out of there and get there before um the baby's born my baby was due on 9 11. right so my whole mentality was hit the street running because i look i got locked up man because i i got caught in the bank of america with some bad paper that i got from the nigerians and they ended up throwing me in the twins for like four months for that shit. So like, I, I, and that kicked off a whole bunch of shit, but I was trying to hustle bad paper back in the day, man. And so I got hit with some fraud charges and I was like, okay, fuck man. So I shut down these little fraud charges and just, you know, you know, muscle through that shit. And she had to go, she went to her mom's and uh, you know, I got out 
I get back in the streets with my peoples. They put me up. I'm laying in bed, bro. I'm like, finally, I hustle up enough bread to get the plane ticket, have a little nut to start with to get it, you know, to try and make a go of it. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm not going to let any one of my kids grow up without a father, bro. I'm not, I refuse. You know what I mean? I'm not ever, I, w I would never abandon my family. Right. That would be the last thing on earth I would do. So I go out there, right? Uh, I, I, I get out of jail. I grind. I get my bars up. I, I get ready. Everything's prepped, right? Um, and I'm staying at my my people's place. They, the shit goes down, bro. Nine eleven. They shake me out of bed like vice, vice. Look at this shit. I wake up and I I see the fucking TV. They got it on in the room, and I'm looking at the shit come down. I'm like, oh fuck me. And so. At that point in time, I grabbed my shit and I went to LAX, bro. And I, I just hauled ass there, bro. And I that whole time from 9-11 to like 9-15. No, yeah, 9-15. Um, those four days I spent at LAX. Like with all my shit waiting to get on the first plane smoking to fucking Hawaii. And I'm trying to tell her to just hold on i'm on my fucking way do not have that baby without me because i refuse to let any of my children be born without me there to see them be born i've seen every one of my kids born um so i go to the to the uh i fighting with the airport people i'm on the first thing smoking to hawaii let's put it like that and so she was born on the 17th that year right and then, uh, so fast forward that time, right? Uh, like 05 hits. And I remember uh, because I ended up having a, a long story short, I lasted that long, probably five years on in Hawaii. Um, and bad shit happened. I'm not going into. Uh, Occupado! <laughs> Please. Thank you. So that's part of having a big family too. You get no privacy unless you have locks and a loud voice. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. So, or if you don't have a loud voice, here's a solution: record yourself and then get a speaker and play yourself. No, they just they they need me and I need them and I love them. So you know, but I have to be me too. There's a balance you got to strike with everybody. But uh, so anyway, she was born in 17 and went through that period there. And there was a falling out situation there that ended badly. And I, I was kind of distraught on the island, just going crazy, absolutely bananas for about, you know, nine or 10 months there. And uh, one of my friends evac me off of the island uh, back to the mainland. Right. And then I came back to the L block and then I was out back in Hollywood and everything from my time in Hawaii. Uh, and that was right before Katrina came and one of my people, uh, his sister had just bought a house in mid city. And so he was like, Hey, do you know how to do drywall? I said, no, but we can learn on the way. And, uh, like I said, be the most valuable person. You gotta always, Keep your fucking hand raised and get it done. And so 
we took off from LA um, and headed to Louisiana the day after Katrina happened, right? And on the way, we're uh, we're YouTubing how to do drywall and shit. And so we get to uh, to there. Um, it took us about three days. And so we were there like that first week, right? We did, did everything. By the time we got there, most all the water had subsided. And that was it. But it was fucked up. It was fucked up. So the whole bottom floor of the Let me get this straight. You've been to Skid Row. And you went to New Orleans post-Katrina? Yeah, I went there on purpose. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot. And that's like your story. Bro, I'm a... That's a big I, shit. Look, I, I was in a tent, bro. I was in a tent. You feel me? Like I look, this is the thing, right? I've never needed much to be happy. You know what I mean? And I've always had enough self-respect to keep shit cracking. Like just it doesn't matter. This is like my wife had to learn this shit, bro. Like it, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. Somehow it always works out for my benefit. All of that to let me skip to the fucking end of the story real quick, bro. I make a fuck ton of money out here being a professional person that like, you know, just showed up. You feel me? Like, poof. It doesn't just happen. I, the whole build up to this particular long con. <laughs> This is because look, what's that old saying? Fake it till you make it, right? And you raise your hand, you do everything. Now I have over 10,000 hours as an electrician. You feel me? Like it doesn't matter what anybody says. I've had the work experience that makes up the entirety of a career because I've been like, I'm a seven day a week grinder, bro. Like, you know, I replace video games with a lot more um hustle shit although even being out like you know you go from house to house that everybody's doing the same shit you you feel me so you're just kind of in that bouncing from place to place doing what you do for uh you know that can go on forever until it can and then at that point in time you find an anchor point and you just start like core like a coral reef you start building shit out you know what I mean? And I get to a point now where I make a fuck ton of money doing what I do and I'm very good at it. And it's still like this fine line between sales and trades. You know what I mean? Like doing a trade and sales. You know what I mean? So I keep people. Because I suppose always... you could have the same trade but also not make a fuck ton of money. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Nah, man. I apply shit that's practical. If you gave me a losing situation, I would turn it into a winning situation because it would be profitable or it will poof the fuck out of here because no, nobody want to spend their wheels and do nothing. Everybody wants to get somewhere and you got to be valuable. Hold on. Speaking of being valuable. Does this mean it's a road trip? Oh, yeah. It's back in the fucking can ready to go solve somebody else's fucking problem, bro, because the bigger the problem you can solve, the more valuable you can make yourself. You feel me? I solve little problems now for rich people with attitudes, but I love them too. You know, they pay the bills and they pay me a fuck ton of money to do it. 
But I suppose that's a fair amount of money for a couple hours of work with a drive. Oh, oh man, this is gonna end bad. Yeah. Oh man, man, bad. Because nobody knows what the pivot is right now. Because look, if you if you're in my life, you gotta understand I'm like a fucking hurricane, bro. Sometimes you're in the eye of the storm, but most of the time it's gonna be kind of chaotic, because like. Uh, Andrew Jackson said, I wasn't built for the, I, it, he said, I was built for the storm because the calm don't suit me. Love that shit. It don't. Like, I've got shit spinning all the time everywhere. That's why whenever I look at my art, right, I don't even consider myself like a rapper, rapper. I'm like a conversationalist. I like to talk to people and I like to share um, experiences. And maybe if I can get something and they can get something and we can have a mutual benefit, uh, it ends well. But anything other than that, it always ends badly. So whenever I look at friends I make these days and people I let in my circle and, you know, it, and the things I do with them, it's all in regards to um, kind of how I'm going to help them and how they're helping me. Because if we're not helping each other, what the fuck are we doing? You know what I mean? We have to reevaluate that situation. Because, you know, I, I bring pain to people too. Believe you, everybody brings pain. You got your own uh, cross to bear, as they say, right? Um, but that's the whole point of family, man. You share that burden. It sucks to be alone in the wilderness, man. You know what I mean? Out here in the big bad world with the walls closing in. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm fucking. And now he went down a path where I'm like, I don't know where the fuck he's going with this. He lost me yeah. a little bit. Um, I, I'm sorry. I do that. So sometimes. do you have, okay, just to be clear, do you have to do a job like right now? Um, I am going to wrap this up with you and then they wait for my time. So when I become available to go do that, because um, the world works the way you let it. Let me put it like that. And my world works the way I say it does, because at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my world. And if I let people in my world, then we're going to have that mutual respect that I don't jump and fetch it for nobody. And I don't expect anybody to do that for me. So we play fair with each other's time. And so if I say, hey, man, uh, you're going to I'm always going to be available to you, it, then there's this expectation of uh, leeway and we share that. You know what I mean? And and I, I love to give leeway because I need a lot of leeway because I'm, a, you know, I have to be professional with people. But at the same time, there's this inner me that's like, man, if you only knew who I am, you would recognize my shine, however I shine. But some people just don't give a fuck. They're wrapped up in their own shit, which is cool. You know, that's life. That's love. That's you know what I mean? So exactly. Not, so that means you have to wrap up now because you have to get ready for this job or you can... Um, how long do you want to go? Uh, we're at the almost coming up on the two hours. Yeah, I don't know. they just go. There's never okay. been an end point until these. Hey, days. well, let's let's uh, let's see. Wait a second. Oh, they saying part two, part two. <laughs> I was saying that. Yeah, 
but that's that's because we. I mean, trust Mike. I mean, we we still feel like there's multiple, a lot of life left, a lot of Mike device wisdom. Bro, we haven't even got to crossroads yet. It's even a new chapter. You that's know, true. that one comes the, the, recently. <laughs> like, you 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 know, this is just oh man. I've never been able to really share this with anybody because, look, let's put it like this, man. When you're out there and you, and you share certain experiences with folks, that, that you, you're just, you're not, it's like everybody that knows is, is dead or gone. And it's, it, it kind of leaves a big void. Like, you feel the constant necessity to, like, make a point to motherfuckers about what it really is. And, uh, yeah. I feel like you just stopped there. I just, oh my God. Are you okay? Oh, pass. It's just people just, can I get a beat, sir? I would love to wrap this up. Would have wrapped this up and you can wrap interview me can you do that uh we could try it can you can you freestyle interview me i don't know if i can do it with a b right now that would be weird but we could try it hold on i'm just saying bro we'll break the we'll break the mold we'll do something absolutely different sir that's it. they so keep funny. calling me all right i'm on my own and free but they keep calling me I'm on my own and free. And they keep calling me. Don't worry, y'all. I actually have beats somewhere. I'm clicking on files and shit. I put them somewhere. We going, we going. We getting there. We getting there. Something like this for you. And then they're gonna be like, well, how did you get involved in the Montreal scene? You hear that? Yeah, I can. Yeah. Does it sound bad? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna try it out. Yeah, man. We're gonna switch up the interview style. Hit him with it. Hit him with it. Hold it, step and roll. Tell us about the part of your life that came after the part when you got to actually no, just tell us about the part up in New Orleans. I wanna understand what happened when you got there, when you had to deal with that shit, dry walling. You learned it on YouTube, but you never told us if you succeeded or failed. Cause really that's something that we need to know right now. It's something that we need to know. It's always a bit of that give and go. We gotta grow in the same way. We learn how to play in the same lane. It won't take me out, I can't dissuade. Really one from going down that same route I did. But if you wanna be a hard-headed kid and learn a tough lesson, start regressing like I put them under pressure. Until the, until the day that I die, I'm gonna spit this freestyle with the love in my heart. I'm trying to play this game. It's the state of art. Ooh. 
Alright, but you still never actually answered the question of what happened after you arrived in New Orleans with your drywall knowledge, even whether or not you succeeded in applying drywall. That part was never questioned. You're an electrician. That's different than applying drywall as they understand the construction industry. So please, if you can clarify this with the rhymes, you made this challenge be. I was gutting everything that was rotten Cause the rain came and washed everything into a pile And now it's denial of the man It was the trickle-down tier system for paying them to disband The trash, cut up the big trees, get it off the promenade It's headed to the French Quarter B, there for the Mardi Gras You're telling me they was on it, they be I be at the bar, I'm snapped one of them unbreakable pucks apart you play like you fucking ducks, get stuck in thought. They've been motherfuckers that took shots at the dog I marked. At night, where it wasn't right, we gon' keep it moving. I ended up in Calio, and then right back to Houston. Went through the Baton Rouge, what I'm doing, ain't doing nothing. I'm more like Ted Nugent. Who them? I'm a jet, back down, exactly free. Got in and got out, and went through the trees. That's what got about it, I'm a queen. Think about that life that got me out the pinto, 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 they don't understand this is the good that God yeah, gives like you. like cutting your audio for some reason. But yeah, you were not the best at rapping on topic with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. However, get a story this beat. is a fucking brilliant idea, and I could definitely execute this is what I think moving forward, and I'm really happy. Yo, this could be like a channel reward, like fucking bust on a beat and start freestyling the next part of the right. fucking interview. Don't you interview a bunch of rappers? Yeah, but sometimes in life you just have to have moments where you're like, yo, nobody's ever put me into a position where they're like, freestyle the question at me where <laughs> i had to actually think about that practically but like then with everything we did on crossroad you were like yeah he could probably do this so i oh no, you it. definitely bro you, I was you like, did a better I job than i i appreciate that method that that methodical brain of yours i do you you're a genius it's your I don't own know shit about that but I'm definitely. I think you are. I practice so what? being. I practice my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like your hey, brain no. be like some shit, like the fucking gym, right? Like you can work out your brain. Like they have apps. Well, your that... bars. Yeah, your bars. Just... You do a stream of consciousness shit that I dig. I dig that. Yeah, I like it. Stream of consciousness. I was always into that, like Sage Francis, fucking political idea rap type shit. Like when I found him, I I heard his fucking. And, and believe it or not, friend, we are the two total pole opposites of the situation. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far with opposites. I think fundamentally, you and I want similar things. You just your approach and my approach are mad different. But that's the classic argument throughout all of time right is is that how does your approach and my approach coalesce into a overall approach of regular people that spectrum you feel me until the corporateers get involved and try and take over everything and then uh want to run society that's i don't where, like that that's shit. where you just need patreon 
and you just kind of <laughs> people up on that shit so that the people more, can't control more the shit. corporateers now nah, i've always been crowdfunded <laughs> oh but and i mean it like that like that because i but like a real crowd though and i got my funding hand to hand you know what i mean <laughs> it's just that that's kind of how it works if you can establish that audience of people willing to support you you don't need to rely like like i don't really like the idea of fucking getting sponsors the way people be really into sponsors i'm like i don't know man i feel like i don't like i would have to start to make some compromises in my content the second i started doing fucking sponsorships not like I, I don't know i mean not everything it depends but it's like a oh, slope, what right? It, well, like everything in life always depends on what the ask is, it's right? Slow, if they're saying, "Hey," you like, if you're saying, "Hey," money. if you if you're telling me, "Hey, Vice, plug the Illuminati, become a brother," you know, or get on some real like off-brand shit like that, I'm not with none of that shit. So there's no way any amount of money could make me do that shit because I'm not know. with it. I just I've looked at a lot of sponsorship like just at a philosophical level. I'll, I'd rather it be like other shit. Like fuck it, you want to support me? Buy this. Thing okay, okay. Whatever. So what if what if Black Rifle Company? Uh, 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 you know who Black Rifle Coffee is? No. No. Okay. So Black Rifle Coffee is kind of a, a it's a coffee that was started by some veterans, and it it kind of played a little bit more to the uh, patriotic, if you would say that, right? black rifle coffee you know what i mean um so they do a lot of sponsorships and shit Man, right i'm already and, like and... i don't know about this one <laughs> what what look they do a lot of fucking advertising right advertising dollar and they're kind of playing trying to play both sides of the fence right now but they fucked up because they're trying to play both sides of the fence right now so um so you're asking yeah. me if I would take money from the type of people that would make me get criticized for taking money from. Uh, you would might, you might, but they would criticize you for other shit than taking the money from Black Rifle. Like censorship approach, like being pro censorship. Not pro censorship. Be... I'm like, we're live on Twitch. There are certain rules we all have to follow. It was always my stance. Okay. Fair enough. Like I play by the rules, I guess maybe, but nah, you know, at the end of the day, a single fucking line today. Um, you know, I. My wife is probably leaving me. Hopefully, she takes the kids when she does. Mm. But if not, then I'm a single father of five. <laughs> Bro, that's just sitcom waiting to be had. Mike Device and his kids. You can pitch that to reality television though, and make a serious fucking bag. My wife's an actress. She's actually a really great actress. Uh, Occupado. Oh, uh, oh, she's not here. Okay, then that answers that question. <laughs> There's been a failure of leadership, sir. <laughs> could you imagine being my kid? These poor girls. No, I could not imagine being a kid, but kind of. My dad's got your personality a bit, so a little bit, I can imagine. I let the... I, oh, if you guys are wondering about... Because I promised people if they came, they would get to learn more about me, right? And if you look at this hair right here, right? I'm not growing my hair out on purpose, right? That's not... Uh, 
it, I didn't intend on doing it, right? Because when when they kicked off this fake bullshit and they took my fucking barber away, I was so pissed about that shit that I said, I'm not going to cut my hair again until we're free. Until we're free again. Free at last, motherfucker. Mm. And it, it, when you see my haircut, it's, it's that day, bro. We won. It's over. It's time to enjoy the fruits of being a righteous man. That's when you see the haircut. That's fair. Not my boss, not my wife, not my kids. Nobody. I'm going to keep rocking this shit until we're free. Uh, and I might keep the beard because it grew on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> you do with that, man. I don't know. It's not. It's like a playoff beard. I feel like Shia LaBeouf did so something like that. <laughs> Some Shia LaBeouf shit right there. I'm not let y'all know. Just I just, do it. I had just the long hair before, before anything happened. I was just doing the long hair. For me, it's just fashion choice. <laughs> I choose this. So, like, I so then I gotta go to a great creative thing like this that we're doing right, and then I gotta go to this person that you know is panicking, and they're gonna lose everything, and, and then I show up and I make it all okay, and it looks so easy. Sometimes they don't want to pay me, and you know I hate to be in that situation. It's very uncomfortable, especially for the person you don't want to pay. I don't care if it took two seconds. I don't care if I just flipped your breaker and you couldn't fucking do it. You better pay your servicemen. Okay. Pay your servicemen, people. I mean, I feel like that's a fair point. Yo, it's like how a lot of things work in life. Like sometimes you end up in a situation where you agree to something without being cognizant of what you're actually agreeing for. You chose to make that arrangement and then sometimes the fee is higher than you would like upon which you deal with the but consequences with that my, my point is that the fee is always explained i'm always transparent i never told anybody that i was some great righteous good person that just was here for your benefit nah no you were like sometimes i am that dude but i'm not required to be <laughs> I feel like you're like, if I got to drive all the way to your house. Well, plus I get, cause I get my cut from the call, you know, and then um, that's kind of the little niche that I landed in where I know the business right backwards and forward. Um, Now I just get in, figure the problems out, like situations that people are really panicking about. And they're like, oh my God, come fix it, come solve it. And I go there, come fix it, come solve it. You know, I've tempted up panels. You got to be creative in your solutions and be able to provide answers to people and get things working again, you, you know, primary concern. So I always look at the, the help that I want to provide to my customers because I do love my customers. Man, my customers are great. You know, especially the ones that don't kick me out and pay me. You know what I mean? I'm very happy with that. I've had some guys yell at me in their house, bro. And I've had to snap on them lightweight and be like, look, um, I'm not talking to you like that in your house, sir. And I'm not going to let you talk to me like that in your house either. Okay. You know, and usually you get a little low, get a little close, get a little crazy eye on. They get the point. Calm the fuck down. I'm not somebody you get to yell at. You understand? Hmm. You're not my wife. 
my wife earned the right to yell at me. Everybody outside of basically everybody outside of my wife, they can't yell at me. You can't get in my shit like that because you don't have no play in my life like that. None at all. And I will shut that shit down post haste. And I don't fuck with people. I just, you know, I try to be polite, try to deal with situations as they come up. But you know what I mean? To to be a person that's able to go anywhere you know, under any circumstance. And I'm talking about I'm I'm parking in front of motherfuckers that are, you know, the whole shit, bro. Send me to West Oakland. Okay. All these places you see on the fucking TV out here. I drive up to those places and I go help whatever, whoever needs help. You feel me? So I have this certain uh, expectation of like, like, I just believe God's got me. You feel me? Like that faith, that faith and just knowing like, I have been so many places I should have been dead already that being here and now, man, I'm not going to leave this bitch until it's my time to go. And I'm okay with that. When it, I'm signed up for the end. When it's done, I cash me out, baby. I'm on the way. And that'll be it. But that's whenever it started dawning on me that I got to leave a legacy. I got to leave a visual record. Because um, I'm not good like writing shit down. And I'm not good keeping track of shit. I'm just a ball of confusion. And so trying to get all of that captured is like that's what i do with like you could picture my page as like my rhyme book if you were in my rhyme book and you were just hearing me do that shit like you know lightweight practicing it's like you know because whenever i and i have started actually producing music music um that shit is gonna be phenomenal this is just a precursor to phenomenal. This is what I'm okay giving away non-monetized, which is mostly everything, you know, but the other stuff where I've invested money in it, then I want to kind of recoup that, you know, but that's, that's the business. I hear you. Are you going to start some fucking live on Twitch talk show shit instead of streaming on Instagram live? Mm, I don't know, man. Right I don't answer. know. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I don't know where this ends up. Um, Cause yo, if I you think... just like, cause I've been on the receiving end of you ranting on your phone, <laughs> and that's it. That's the game. Just describe the whole game. Well, I look. This is it, look. It all depends on what people are interested in. Really, to me, if if they're interested in a specific, uh, you know, something you like, like the scam they tried to run on us, right? Hey, yo. This is a public service announcement for all of you scammers. This guy almost got me the other day, right? He goes, he plays to my ego. So he sends me the thing. It's just, oh, man, I love your raps, bro. It's dope. I want to pay you to write a rap for my son, write a, do a freestyle for my son's birthday. He's turning six. He likes blah, 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 blah. Runs it all down, right? And it was like, just, you know, I was going to send you a deposit and then I'll send you the rest when you're done. And I'm like, okay, here you go. You know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm like, yeah, they're interested in me. They want to buy my music. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm celebrating. And, uh, then the thing comes through and it's like, yeah, okay. Well, he said, what's your full name? I said, my full name. He's like, oh, okay, I had the check cut. 
but the, the, instead of cutting it for the $300 deposit, they cut it for $3,000. I'm going to go ahead and send it to you. You just take all your payment in full and just send me back the remaining balance because for some reason I can't make another check. And they think I'm dumb enough to believe that if you can't make one, you can't make two. So I don't know. I, I digress. I was like, oh, man, you know what? I got I got uh I got scammed like that one time, bro. I'm sorry. I, I can't do that ever again in life. Huh. Although I've never been scammed like that. But no, I've I, mean, I appreciate it. Yeah, I got hit one time for some birthday song shit before it was like cool and everything and they were like we wanna send you some check on some like bro, we're not even in the same fucking country. You can't do that. You gotta use some and then they like backed out of it, but there was technically for anyone that follows me on Facebook that one time I posted a screenshot and I said something smells fishy. And, <laughs> and I like, if I end up missing, just know to go to this IP like, this address. Doesn't feel right. Like as much as I would love to think I'm good at writing a birthday song, who the fuck listens to "Lose Weight, Motherfucker, Lose Weight" and then goes, "Yeah, I want that guy to write my birthday." You know, like <laughs> I recently had a hard check on how not family friendly I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey man i get that sometimes too from my actual family that's what happens sometimes but yeah i know you have to go i i mean we could keep talking forever but i don't want to keep you i feel like i know you have to go you're banging on the door shit going on you well you fuck. know man i'm in demand especially in my work absolutely set this up i'm sure we can create something like and if the people want to get you more you should play jackbox games with us jackbox would be fucking awesome i do have jackbox i have jackbox um i have jackbox six now with the murder trivia and we're gonna get the five i do the murder trivia too so that's what i'm saying like because then you come on the discord you're on the call with us yeah yeah wait you got xbox too no i have it on computer and oh, you then, have it on a computer. Then you play it on your phone. Right. And then you're yeah. talking on the Discord with us. And then you're on the call uh, on the stream. The Jackbox problem solver. Yo, Used to be the Jack man. Now I'm with the Jackbox. Everybody acting like you're really into hip hop. But they never freeze down. Never let the oh, we're gonna drop. Get the, we're gonna, we also never. have access to Jackbox 5 with the fucking battle bots. Yo, Zalmanel is ready to come do the battle bots with us. Okay, I'm with it, bro. So you have to come uh, I got that Discord. too. I got that as well. Uh, we'll be full interactive. Oh, full okay. interactive. We'll we're gonna figure it out. So we're gonna, cause I mean, I gotta what get the games or access to it. But yeah. Anyway, I appreciate you coming through, Mike Device. With, I appreciate you're a fucking, you having like, me. Character. Thank you very much. I feel like this is a version of you that is really interesting. The, like the less in front of a crowd, the more one on one. You get the controlled flow of Mike right. Device. It's it's definitely like this is the introduction and then we unleash the mic. <laughs> come back, bring you into the story. And then, uh, uh, yeah, man, come out to Montreal one day. I don't know. If oh, you know, I man. When you when your government sure. regains common sense, it's I will come happen. and visit. It's not gonna happen. It will. It's gonna permeate throughout the world, man. The uh, cure will be released. I guess. The cure. <laughs> yes, it will. I mean, we're gonna I, cure this you said my government's socialism. gonna have common sense though <laughs> nah it's gonna happen when they when they kick the chinese out we'll we'll be with them on that shit 
fair enough. Um, with that, uh, I appreciate you. I just put your Instagram there. At some point, we'll have other links. But follow Mike Device's Instagram. I promise you, you'll get plenty of DMs with links to his fucking stories. <laughs> that's the consequence but it's worth it my device is a character and a half we're gonna get him to open up a patreon so you can support him okay and, there you uh, go patreon stuff yeah i mean it's not hard just go to patreon.com and follow the steps <laughs> and I, I i think they're communists i'll, I'll go to go give saying go you know right? what whatever it is but know. you know what you know why you want patreon mike because people have right. heard of Patreon at this point, and all the work is done for you. If you go in and do some new shit, it's like you know you're a salesman, and you know what I'm talking about. They haven't been a bastard to me yet, let me tell you. But oh. they in principally violate my. Yo, what's that like name, Brandon? Is that your truck's name? No, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Oh, come on, bro. That means fuck Joe Biden. Oh. The, I told you, let's go is the international fucking known thing for fuck you. No, bro. You know what I mean? And I said, I didn't know that because that's not. Let's go. Let's go. Like, if you're talking shit with somebody and they go, let's go. The next thing that happens is somebody gets fucking punched in the face. Okay. Fair. I'm not hating that answer. Um, but look at this, right? This broad was interviewing this race guy, Brandon, at this fucking thing, right? And they're screaming, fuck Joe Biden in the crowd. And the mainstream media bitch goes to the dude. Oh, do you hear that, Brandon? They're cheering for you. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. Right? Oh. And so it became the internal meme. Let's go, Brandon. That is synonymous with fuck Joe Biden. I would have wow. known that. You know why? Because well, I now, just don't know. I don't follow the same things that you follow, my guy. Now we but understand you said, this, man. I never understand how Let's Go ends up to be the international fucking known for fuck you. Yo, I'm just saying. I'm in another national. I'm, I don't know if that's a thing here. Can somebody, like, confirm? Is that a thing here? Let's Go is fuck you? Like, I don't know if that's a thing or not. Because that, I don't know. Maybe and my truck's name is Betty. That's cute. Um, but yeah, at, at the end of the day, I guess how I... Well, how do you it. know I got a truck? Are you judging me because oh. of my beard? Mike, everybody knows you got a truck. You're just that kind of guy. You know what? Even if you didn't have a truck, you'd have plans of getting a truck. It would be like... I got a truck and a trailer. I'm winning on all in all lanes of life. No, I'm not even hating. A trailer and a truck sounds like a good combination because the truck can pull the trailer and now you can... Because I'm damn near a gypsy. But yeah, so everybody follow my device. It's device underscore got underscore bars because device got bars. <laughs> Get it? Anyway... He's a, he's a fun guy, as y'all can tell, you babe, those of you still with us. He's going to go make money, 400 and change dollars off some whiny lady for flicking a fucking breaker because she has too many Christmas lights and hopes that she doesn't <laughs> proceed to argue with him about the price when she realizes she could have not spent 400 and change dollars. And that's U.S. dollars, oh, everyone. That's not Canadian If she dollars. was watching behind the suit, she would already have figured out what the fuck to do for herself for free. That's facts. That's why you should watch us and learn from Mike Device that when you have a bunch of Christmas lights, you might blow your fuses, and then you just got to flick the switch and maybe unplug some Christmas lights. Bingo. Um, 
Uh, anyway, that's some advice at the end. But yeah, we're gonna have Mike back. We, he's he's fucking fun. We used to have him all the time at the crossroads, and then whatever that'll come back when it comes back. But we're gonna figure something else out with Mike because he's just such a fucking treat. His mind is wonderful. Um, oh shit! Look, look at my messages, bro. Wait, you can't see it. No, I can't. You could just tell us what it says with the number. It's not working. It says six six six, bro. That's, oh my god that's the mic device we know but yo make sure to follow them we're gonna set up the raid um to, to go <laughs> off and all that stuff and it looks like batman on there yeah it just froze now and i appreciate everybody watching for real those of you stuck through it i know mike appreciates it too it's cool because like the fact that there are people here watching is what makes us a show and it makes it a lot more fun and enjoyable but end of the day um yeah Thank you all in the future, too. Y'all are wonderful people as well. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, do you have any last words for the people, Mike? Hey, we love you. Come on back now, you hear? All right. On that note, live long and prosper, everyone. Mm -hmm.